This season of Sincerely Human is sponsored by Riley Sway Foundation. Through community-focused programs, Riley Sway inspires teens to lead with empathy and kindness to build a better, kinder, more just world. From connecting student leaders to awarding grants for projects that amplify kindness, Riley Sway Foundation equips the next generation of leaders with the tools and resources they need to envision change and achieve it. Please stay tuned for Kindness Calling, our postscript segment featuring the remarkable teens from Riley Sway Foundation. I went to a very interesting middle school. There was like a magnet program for students like me who like applied to the school and who were focused on STEM. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We had this massive divide. So half of the students were coming from mostly like Asian and white families. And then I would say the other 50% were almost completely black or Hispanic families. And you as a black student are seeing that these other white and Asian students are given advantages, given privileges that you are not being given by your school, which is supposed to be a place where you are pushed to succeed and taught to dream. And that was simply not the experience for half of the student body. So before I began high school, I decided that I wanted to in some way help the Black community of Louisville and help the socioeconomically disadvantaged parts of my city. And I thought that the tools that I had to be able to do that were my knowledge in fields of STEM and my view that all women can succeed and all women of color can change the world. You're listening to Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action from the lens of today's most inspiring humans. This is Camille. And this is Maverick. Welcome to the show. Despite making up half of the total U.S. college-educated workforce, only one in four STEM jobs in the U.S. are held by women. When it comes to minority women, these numbers go even lower. Black women account for almost 13% of the overall U.S. population, but make up only 2.5% of the science and engineering workforce. Similarly, Hispanic women represent 18% of the overall population but they only represent 2.3% of science or engineering positions. At the same time, STEM workers enjoy a pay advantage compared with non-STEM workers. And more than that, the demand for STEM jobs continues to grow. So why aren't more Black and Hispanic women getting degrees in STEM? Some studies suggest that discrimination in the field might play a role. But another important factor is the resources they have available. Because minority students tend to come from low-income families, they don't have access to the same resources as other students. So if we were to achieve a more equitable workforce, providing Black and Hispanic women with the proper resources they need to succeed in STEM is very vital. All of my family members are involved in STEM in some way in their careers. That's Anjali Chada. Her family comes from India. 
whether it's through entrepreneurship, whether through teaching and like uh, academia or countless other ways. It was really inspiring as a kid to see so many of my adult role models like being directly involved in STEM and also seeing a clear balance in my family between the men and the women pursuing STEM. Anjali's character was also influenced by both her home environment and her city. She grew up with her parents and her sister in Louisville, Kentucky. I love the city because it is, I think, pretty culturally diverse. It's really progressive for a city in the South. And I think that my whole life, like the last 18 years, Louisville has been in this stage of growing. I've been able to see a lot of people in the community around me, like working really hard to grow businesses or working really hard to really implement cool new service projects or really help the city thrive. And I've been really fortunate to have had an incredibly supportive, incredibly privileged upbringing. I mean, I've had two parents who are always really like proud of and encouraging of me being ambitious and they've always pushed me to my full potential. Besides STEM, Anjali took up an interest in the civil rights movement. I remember one book that I read when I was in fifth grade and it's called Copper Sun. It's like a story of a girl from Nigeria, like a princess from Nigeria, who is taken and brought to America as a slave and her journey like as a slave. And as I got older, I read some very important works like writings by um, MLK Jr. and by um, Malcolm X. And I think that when I got into high school reading Toni Morrison and reading Alice Walker, uh, some of their literature really helped me understand, at least from these particular perspectives from these individuals' perspectives, what the experience of being Black in America has been like for centuries now, and how things have evolved, and much more greatly, how things have not evolved. Around the same time, Anjali became interested in the issue of racial inequality. She started to see it playing out in her own community. Her middle school was divided into two groups— Anjali, as well as most white and Asian students, belong to the STEM Magnet program. For context, Magnet schools are free public elementary and secondary, quote-unquote, schools of choice. They operate within existing public schools in a district and focus on specific areas of interest, such as performing arts, world languages, leadership, and STEM programs. The students who weren't part of the program were predominantly African-American and Hispanic students from the inner-city neighborhoods. There were different teachers. There was a different curriculum. There was completely different material being taught to the two groups. It is extremely, I think, complicated, but also very misguided that that kind of a policy is even allowed to be implemented in this school. Because at such a young age, you're like 11, 12, 13, you as a Black student are seeing that these other white and Asian students are given advantages, given privileges that you are not being given by your school, which is supposed to be a place where you are pushed to succeed and taught to dream. And that was simply not the experience for half of the student body. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of judgment. 
from administrators and from faculty about low performance from those kinds of students, definitely in math and science. Anjali got in touch with non-magnet students through a tutoring program at her school. They were actually really, really smart and had interests and had goals, but just didn't feel like they could achieve any of that. And so they didn't waste their time applying themselves. I and a lot of other Asian and white students were praised for having help at home and for, you know, also being pushed by our parents and that a whole other population at the school was being chastised because when they went home, they barely had time for schoolwork because they needed to help their parents around the house. They had younger siblings. They needed to help their parents pay the bills. A lot of them started working by the time they were in eighth grade. Many of them were in single parent households. Many of them were in halfway houses. The situations were just glaringly disparate and there was just not at all any educational support from the school itself. Anjali decided to take the matter into her own hands. At 13, before even stepping into high school, she founded Empowered with the help of her parents. Empowered is a nonprofit that trains minority high school girls in technological skills. I decided that I could use what I knew and what I cared about to help inspire other young women and help them kind of break out of the circumstances that they had been assigned to or that they felt that their families were expecting of them. During the summer, she teaches them website development, digital marketing, app development, 3D printing, and even graphic design. But getting empowered up and running wasn't all that easy. Anjali initially reached out to student administrators from different public schools in Louisville to get girls to sign up for the program. Getting people to take me seriously was so difficult because I had no proven track record, obviously. And so there weren't a lot of teachers who were willing to connect me with girls that they thought would be good candidates for the program. That took so much longer than I thought it would because nobody wanted to respond to me and that was tough. Even after she found girls to sign up for the program, Anjali encountered another challenge. I hadn't really known what it was like to teach, and I thought it would be really easy, but it absolutely wasn't. Thinking back all the way to the first summer, it was kind of crazy because some of the girls that I was teaching were older than I was. Some of them were like juniors and seniors in high school or even matriculating to college, and I was like a sophomore in high school. So I remember... I was super daunted that first year. She decided to bring guest speakers to the class, but that proved to be difficult too. The first year, no one in the Louisville community knew who I was. Obviously, I was like a 13-year-old random girl um, who was emailing them and asking them to talk to a group of girls who they didn't know. But what made things even more complicated was that Anjali also had a hard time in school. She was excelling in academics. She got involved in several extracurricular projects. But to her, it seemed as if the more she advanced in achieving her goals, the harder it was to make friends. I suffered with a lot of mental health issues. I would say severe depression at various points, severe anxiety at various points, which was only amplified as I grew up because I think that my ambition was not looked upon favorably by my peers, particularly my male peers, but also definitely my female peers because I tended to do well because of the 
privilege I was granted through my parents' support and the community support, I think that people were really angry about that, my peers. And I had a terrible time. I would say for a few years during high school, I lost my sense of kindness very dramatically. Like I became pretty angry as a person. And I would say that I really shut down a lot and I had a really hard time making actual friends. But Anjali didn't let that discourage her. She kept trying to make empowered work until one day, finally, someone took a chance on her. There was someone in the community who saw potential for Empowered and saw that I was really dedicated to what I was doing. And he is like a small business owner and he is, he basically does like impact investing. So he is really interested in furthering Louisville's social and financial growth. And he decided to start to introduce me to other women, especially other minority women in the community who could support me, who could come and help teach different things to different girls and really help to, I think, turn the program into something legitimate. And I think finding that adult advocate was integral to the early success of Empowered and the continued success of Empowered because I could see what it was like for a real business person to run a real business and I could kind of co-opt some of those tactics and kind of learn about planning and grant writing and uh, so many other things from him and from the woman that I was able to talk to through him. For students who participated in Empowered, pairing them with women entrepreneurs of color also turned out to be incredibly valuable. Once you start introducing these girls to STEM role models and figures in our community who have literally made such groundbreaking impact to the dark community, but who came from backgrounds just like them, they start to visualize themselves in those places 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. They start to afford themselves the ability to dream when they may never have done so before. Within the five years Empowered has been active, Anjali has been able to teach around 100 girls, and 90% of these girls have gone on to college, many of them getting STEM degrees. And that is really gratifying, not because my goal was to show these girls that like they need to love computer science, but because they were able to find the confidence through the program that this is a career path they could pursue in a male-dominated, in a white and Asian-dominated field, like they can make an impact and they can break the ceiling. And I think that the support that girls in the Black community can provide each other is absolutely invaluable when they can resonate over the struggles that they're experiencing in their homes. Some may be due to race, some may be due to sexism and several other intersectional issues. I think that they feel more confident and they feel more heard. And so I always try to encourage that dialogue. And I'm very aware of the fact that I haven't lived this experience. So every year, like I want to be a listener and I want to support any way that I can. Today, Anjali continues to teach at Empowered while also completing her bioengineering degree at MIT. I came to college and I was nervous because I 
was worried that once again, I would be surrounded by people who, you know, really didn't like me. And things changed very quickly. I found a community of people that are genuinely happy for one another's success. It's really ironic, I think, that I've spent so much time on Empowered, which is a nonprofit geared toward like supporting other women and supporting like disadvantaged young girls. But I was never supported by my peers until I came to college. And I think as soon as I found a support system, I was able to really understand that it's not enough to just be working on projects to help people who aren't in my personal life. It is equally important, if not more important, to be kind to those, supportive to those, caring to those who are there for me. And I think that that made me really reevaluate the amount of like positivity and optimism I could put out into the world. I'm proud that I've been able to develop like a really great sense of empathy, not just to problems that I read about in books, but to problems that my friends are having, no matter how big or small they might be. If you want to learn more or get involved with Empowered, you can head on over to getempowered.co. That's getempowered.co. Stay tuned for our Postscript segment, Kindness Calling. In this edition of Kindness Calling, we're excited to feature Julia Hoos, a 15-year-old sophomore who is passionate about combining STEM and kindness leadership. I always believe that kindness is the real way you're going to make a change because if you're kind to someone, they'll listen to what you have to say. If you're rude and dismissive, they won't. So kindness is the way you can get your voice out there. And especially being a new student at my school during this pandemic, I've learned a lot about how you really need to make connections with people. And I think kindness is the best way to do that because right now we're all feeling a little bit isolated being in a virtual environment. I think if even it's just saying hi to someone in the hallway or greeting your teacher on a Zoom call, It's making small little connections with people that is what makes a change, even if it's at a really small level. During a period of transition in Julia's life, she found that being part of a supportive community was critical. Back when Julia was an eighth grader, she was introduced to Riley's Way Foundation. Last year's retreat came at a really great time for me because I just started high school and obviously there's a lot of big changes. You have to start getting involved in clubs and other organizations. So getting to hear from other girls who for the most part were older than me that had very similar interests was really cool because I got to hear about ways they made connections in their own communities and ways I can do that in mine. And even though we lived in completely different parts of the country, we all kind of related to the same wanting to help people. And I think that that was a really cool little bubble we all had together there at the retreat. Julia is talking about the Riley Sway Foundation Retreat, an annual gathering of young people ages 13 to 19 who are passionate about making a positive change on issues that matter to them. Here, Julia talks about a group activity during the retreat when they had to discuss certain social issues and how to address them. As you go around, you have to talk with your group and talk about ways that as a community, you can be kinder and change the world to help benefit these people and use your privilege to help others. And I think that was really interesting 
because it forced you to think about your life and someone else's perspective. As an active member of Riley's Way, Julia is now spearheading the nonprofit's ambassador program. I think the ambassador project is so important because not everyone is going to have access to a retreat or a club just because of location or school. And I didn't have a club at my school, and I knew that I loved Riley's Way's work and their four principles of kindness, leadership, connection making, and empathy. And I knew that was something I was passionate about. I think this program is really important because it gives you a voice and a platform to speak with. And I think for my project, which is a book that I'm going to be writing for younger kids to teach them about kindness, leadership, empathy, and connection making, having an incredible platform like being a Riley's Way ambassador is really going to make sure that that book and its message gets to more people than it would if I had just done it on my own and released it in my community. In sharing the stories of teen leaders, what's motivated us as social changemakers is the youth's mindset when it comes to tackling challenges. I think as young people, we all see problems we want to change. And I think we've realized that just being angry, angry, angry about the problems isn't going to fix them. You need to take that passion for the problem and take it to the right place to hopefully encourage them to believe in what you think. My advice to any young person who has a project, an idea, and a message they really want to get out there, reach out to an organization that you feel like will fit that. Even if it's not Riley's way, just reach out. You never know where it'll take you and it could bring you on an incredible path where you can meet incredible people and get some amazing experience and ways to get your voice out there. That's it for Kindness Calling. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, Riley Sway Foundation. On January 25th, Riley Sway Foundation opened its national initiative, the Call for Kindness competition for its third year. Teens from all around the country can submit their projects and ideas that are designed to make a difference and inspire kindness in their communities. Winners will be given $3,000 each to help implement their projects with their school or nonprofit partners. Deadline to submit entries is on April 7th. To learn more about the Call for Kindness and other life-changing programs at Riley Sway Foundation, please head on over to rileysway.org or callforkindness.org. Links are in our show notes. If, like us, you feel inspired by these stories, we'd appreciate it if you subscribed and shared our podcast. Stay tuned for another episode of Kindness in Action coming up next week. We'll see you then.